I'm Grant. And this is Sex Archie. Only one MTV award? Only one? You fools. Fuckers. That's right. We are a Riverdale recap podcast. And we are here with the first of our off-season bonus episodes. Yeah. It is another trip down memory lane. In a previous installment, we, we of course talked about the Archie show. Yes. And said it was the first uh, uh, television appearance of our good friend Archie Andrews. Uh-huh. But today we're going to talk about an even earlier appearance. But we're not liars. No. Because this never aired. It, it was an unbought, unaired 1964 pilot just called Archie. There's a... I understand. I understand. <laughs> yeah? Why it was unaired. Well, there's an even earlier pilot in 1962 called Life with Archie that nobody really knows anything about. It does not exist. You cannot find it anywhere, at least as far as I know. I found no synopses. And apparently the only cast list that exists on IMDb is highly suspect. Because it's people who are in Archie? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's people who are confused. <laughs> Uh, allegedly, from what I from what I read, the the sixty two unsold pilot and the sixty four unsold pilot, which is what we watched, mm-hmm. only have Betty in common. Although the the IMDb cast list lists a lot more people in common. Yeah, it's like five. Yeah, but now we're getting ahead of ourselves. I only took a one one page of notes here. Well, it's only a, a sitcom length thing. Seemed very long. How long was that actually? Was was it just half an hour? It was like thirty four minutes. I okay, say. it seemed like fifty. Yeah, it was very long. Um, and my first note was, "Leave it to Beaver." Yeah, it's it very "Leave it to Beaver" opening. <laughs> or like I mean, my my three sons are like spinning Marty or some, all of it. It's a it's a black and white family sitcom or, or teen-focused sitcom from the 60s before there were teen-focused sitcoms, at least any that I can think of. Can you imagine a world where this was successful and it became Happy Days? Weren't those around, though? I, th- I think there's a difference between a family focus and a focus on a group of teens who are friends. That and I and that's the difference I'm trying to make because yeah there were plenty of teens on the Brady Bunch which was airing around now, but that's not quite the same thing or maybe I'm just being pedantic. I think there was more s- stuff. Mm-hmm. I guess when was the Mickey Mouse Club on? Because those that's had their true. serials. That's true. I think those came before. Mm-hmm. You had stuff like Annette. You had Spit and Marty. You had the shows that came with the Mickey Mouse Club mm-hmm. that were also shown separately, sometimes before, sometimes after. Okay, yeah, yeah. And that's right around this time period. You got me. Yeah, I can't, like, I, I need to do a little research to, like, double check, but this this was a time period when that was a thing. Okay, okay. Still could have been happy days, though. <laughs> that's when you get to an even a different, more of a different time period a little mm-hmm, bit. Mm-hmm. It's a different I, focus. This came out at the time when Ron Howard was too busy being a little Opie Taylor. 
Uh, yes. Yeah. Rather didn't come out. Tried to. It, they, they really tried. So you already had My Three Sons. Uh, Leave It to Beaver was already going on, which wasn't like a teen thing, but... Mm-hmm. Um, In fact, the the Archie from the pilot we didn't watch, the 62 pilot, was the older brother on Leave it to Beaver. Ah. The Brady Bunch came out after this. Uh, Uh, Five years later. Not that close, I guess. This does focus more, I guess, on Archie himself than, like, the Mm -hmm. family. And and the school group. There's more Betty and Veronica than there is Fred and Mary. Yes. But we do open on a breakfast in Archie's place. As Fred, we do. The first faces we see are Fred and Mary. Yes. At the breakfast table, you know, he's reading the paper, not quite smoking his pipe, but he's real close. And like, hey, we need to, you know, wake up Archie. He needs to be awake, otherwise he's going to miss breakfast. And then they're like, oh, hey, what's this note that I didn't happen to notice at all during the rest of my morning that has just magically somehow appeared on the wall with this cord hanging down that says, like, I'm supposed to pull it? And she pulls it. And she pulls it. And what it is, is it's a cord that leads to a machine that Archie has made to pretend that he's waking up. Yeah. And you get lots of, like, levers and spinny things. Everything is controlled by ropes that are wound around this this axle with different size wheels. Yeah, like, it looks like a tape deck. Yeah. (laughs) And, like, it's making his shoes walk on the floor. It's making his window slam and his, his blind roll up and the shower go on. In his own private bath. Like, this teenager has his own suite upstairs. And that bath is so hot, it immediately steams. Yeah. If you put him in it, he would die. You would melt the poor boy. Yeah, it looks, his shower's going to fucking explode. <laughs> uh, and the parents buy it. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, Archie's up. Of course he is. That somehow worked. It even sets off an actual tape deck to record him, sh- him singing in the shower. Uh-huh, uh-huh. But then things start to get a little wonky and the shoes start pattering faster and the shower's still going and all this stuff is happening. And Fred's like, hmm, either uh, Archie's invited the whole school over or there's a horse up there. But Archie wouldn't do that. Wait, no, Archie would. There's probably a horse up there. I better go see. <laughs> So Fred goes up there and mm-hmm. tries to get through the doorway. This is a great physical gag. I love this. Doorway that has a rope tied between it and he tries to step on it, which makes the doors hit him. Yeah, the, the doorknob of the door to the hallway and the door to his closet are tied together yeah. to make like a barrier. And he tries. It, it's a good bit of business. It's good. And then he's getting strangled by all the ropes that are, like, crisscrossing all parent trap mm-hmm. style across the room. This this is why Ferris Bueller was more successful. He had access to digital technology. Yeah. Yeah. He also, like, knew to hide his ropes. <laughs> and to not have his shower exploding. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. How about that Ferris Bueller sitcom? That was a thing. There was a Ferris Bueller TV series. They recast... Everyone. Oh, yeah, yeah. It came after the movie. Yeah. It didn't do well. No. It, like, didn't even finish a season, I think. How about it, though? I never saw it. Okay. But 
But yeah, so Fred wakes Archie up. Somehow his contraption did not wake him up. No, he's just slept through the whole thing. He just kept like groaning slightly. And I was like, I don't want to know what you're dreaming about. His own voice singing cranked up to 11 is right next to his head. The window is slamming and he's still dead asleep. Yeah, but then dad comes in and he's like, what? What? Huh? Uh, But he stops the machine. And he's like, oh, well, you know, it, it worked. That's cool. Well, that's good because I needed extra sleep. And he's like, well, why'd you need extra sleep? Because I was up till 4 a.m. Why were you up till 4 a.m. working on my machine? Da 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 da. Jokes! And we find out that Ben Franklin is his hero. Yeah, and it's not the first time they compared him to Ben Franklin. They mentioned it before the, the cord got pulled. Yeah, they did it like multiple times. I assume this is because he has spread syphilis across the fields of France. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Archie even has like a fancy-ass painting of him just against <laughs> the wall. For inspiration. You know. Uh, and then we get the opening jingle, which is a lot of Archie... Archie, Archie, it's Archie. clearly the inspiration for Peter Davison's uh, regeneration into Colin Baker. Yeah, yes. And then there's a lot of um, there's another jingle that happens <laughs> that I could not make out half the words to, so I don't know what it was. It feels like they're selling Pepsodent. And the, these credits. Oh, oh, he ends all the Archies before the jingle with, "That's what? me." <laughs> Goodness. And this unknown actor who I think had only done this at this point and didn't go on to do much of anything. Oh. Gets like a sole credit. Archie is blah, blah, blah. What's his name? It doesn't matter. I don't matter know. I name. don't know what his name was. Uh, so then we're at the breakfast table and we find out that Mr. Andrews is a psychologist. And Archie's really upset his dad's a psychologist because his dad totally knows that he's trying to like create a scheme to get some extra allowance mm-hmm. so he can buy a corsage for Betty. Because the the annual PTA getting to know you dance is coming up. Yeah. And they're like going to get to know all about you. And then uh, they have a good old conversation about how does a man know what she's the girl for him, Dad? Just and then, coming out of the gate with the eternal question of Archie Comics. Yes. It's like, well, most men think they marry the only girl in the world for them who just happens to live next door. And he gives this basically big, long speech. It's basically saying you marry the person, you know, and you only think they're the only girl for you because you don't know better. Cause you haven't met all the girls in the world. You just met the ones that you come in contact with. So you're settling <laughs> and, he- and lying to yourself. And now you're in a marriage it's built on lies. His wife did enter halfway through this. And thought it was sweet? And no, no, she didn't. She she thought it was a little too sweet for me, I think. <laughs> I was like, you're, you're taking she, this better than I think you should. She shot him a look instead of throwing a ficus at his head, I guess. Well, and then he's like, and your mother's the best and blah, blah, blah. But I'd be like, go make your own freaking eggs. <laughs> Eventually, like, he notices her as soon as she comes in, but eventually noticing that he did receive a look, he, he relents, like, but the one exception is your mother and I. Yeah, you yeah. Know, we really are soulmates that just happened to grow up two blocks away. No, what he was going to say was, you know, if I, I wouldn't have settled for your mother, I would have gone and found, like, 
a hot babe. Mm-hmm. Uh, whatever. What I think Mr. Andrews is a creepy man here. He's dreaming of greener pastures. Yes. Uh, yeah. Yes. It's like it's like the Chevy Chase thing where he always sees like the <laughs> the woman with the boobs, like all in his of pool the boobs, or in she's the car. got like ten of those. Or things. It's like that. Mm-hmm. Except he's like dreaming of her like three houses down in the opposite direction. <laughs> like, man, if I only would have turned left instead of right, I would have found her. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But then Betty comes in, and Betty is someone you recognize. Yes. She was on a net. And, and she was a, a mouseketeer. For a few episodes. <laughs> I really like a net. I'm not hating on this style, like this era of TV because I don't like it overall. I really like a net. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just recognizing that sometimes it's really creepy, especially from a modern point of view. And we, we haven't mentioned it yet because I didn't notice it at the time. But Arch, the the actor that plays Archie's mother, was the voice of Wilma Flintstone. Yeah, yeah. So then Betty comes over, as mm-hmm. we said, uh, and she she's carrying all these books, and they're, and they're getting ready to go to school together. They're all like, "Well, you know, Archie, aren't you going to carry Betty's books for her?" And she's all like, "These are all Archie's books. He left them at my house. Left them at her house. He was up till four a.m." There's only so much rope to run. What what were they doing? Yeah. Meh. And also, where are Betty's books? Yeah, why aren't you carrying your own books? Is she not allowed to read? What kind of school is this? Uh, so then they left, and they're like, huh, Archie's really slipping. Didn't hold the, bel- the, the door for Betty. Or no, Betty didn't hold the door for him. Ba, ba, ba. He's I'm a like, misogynist. Stop encouraging your son. <laughs> Which is, I think this is up to where I watched the first time. Betty girl was spine. So then we're at school, and there's Weatherby, who is apparently losing his freaking mind. Yeah. And talking to like I don't a nature documentary announcer of his mind or something. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> his internal monologue is a bit dissociated, and they have conversations, and we do hear both sides of them. Uh, but He's giving himself a pep talk. Yeah, a little bit. About shaping minds. And and how there are 800 destinies under his watch. And it, it winds him up so that he's shouting to the heavens about basic arithmetic. And, and also how there's just one. There's just one he can't handle. It's Archie. It's, Ar- it's Archie. Yeah, it's Archie. Uh, so then we uh, see Jughead for the first time. Mm-hmm. And that's something. That, oh boy. That is just something. I don't, I don't, I don't like this Jughead. Do you think that this pilot didn't get picked up because it was at the same time Gomer Pyle was a big deal on, on the Andy Griffith show? And so they there was felt like, like a, they were copying it too there much. There was a one whoopee cap limit on TV at yeah. the time. <laughs> yeah. And, and too much of like that style. Yeah, yeah. We meet Jughead, we meet Veronica, who whose dad uh, has plans for a computing machine. Yeah. Uh, electronic the... computing machine at the bank. Yeah, they, they've invested in an electric adding machine. Yeah. Uh, with the little tape spool and everything. It's very fancy. Yeah. And so back at, Weather, at Weatherby's office, he's still talking to himself and like, you know, there's things you like about Archie. He, there's good stuff. It's just like buried really deep. It's hard to see the good. 
He's just going to split Archie open and try to find the good stuff inside. Yes. Like that scene from Only God Forgives. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so then we're in class and we meet a teacher who we later find out is Grundy, who yeah. I also recognized. From Pollyanna? Po- yes, Pollyanna. Oh. And uh, Green Acres. And Bewitched? And be- Bewitched, yes. Green Acres is the place to be. <laughs> Duh, I don't know any words. Like the all the adults were pretty established character actors and did a lot of various television roles, but most of the kids were nobodies who went nowhere. Uh, I was looking at some of them. Some of them were in some. They had careers for a short time and they mm-hmm. were doing a lot. Like the girl who plays Veronica did some different like party movies and whatnot. Yeah. And then stopped. Yeah. Which isn't uncommon for them. Yeah, yeah. Isn't uncommon for any era. So Grundy's there and is like, we're going to go over this chapter. When I get back, I'll be back. <laughs> and then, well, she's gone. Jughead tries to ask out a girl. The first thing Jughead does is take off his hat and and ask a lady for a date. Who is this character? It's not Jughead. He eats no foods. No. He dispenses with no wisdom. No. He never even paints something that comes to life. This is not Jughead. It's not Jughead. Veronica rejects an offer of a, a date to the dance because Archie's taking her. And Betty's all like, no, 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 he's taking me. Then Grundy comes back. She's all like, okay, we're going to study this chapter and I don't want to peep out of anyone. And Reggie like throws some shit at Archie, like a spitball, which makes Archie go, he goes like, ow! (laughs) Because apparently it's a very painful spitball that has like a needle attached to it or something. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, Which then makes Grundy send him to the principal's office. Even though Betty tries to take the heat. Yeah. It's just like, stop, stop taking the heat for Betty. Betty, I know you're lying. Please. You're worth more than this boy. You're better than this. So then at the principal's office, he's talking to the secretary and he's all like, Yeah. If uh, they they say that uh, your best girl is the one you spend the most time with. So that means like you and I are like engaged. And there's, she's just all like, hee, 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 hee. And I'm like, you're 40. There's a real James Bond, Miss Moneypenny dynamic between the grown woman and the child. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's fun. Love it. Can't get enough. Uh, so then in Weatherby's office, he's talking to Miss Finch, who's the president of the PTA. Another busybody just like archetype characters straight out of Mayberry. Oh yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. Straight out of every everything. There's always yeah, that meddling. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. It's all about how like students aren't going to come to the party and like they need to do that. And he's all like, "Well, students don't want to go to the party. It's not my problem." No, it is your problem because I'm part of the parent teacher association. That means parents and teachers work together. Yeah, Miss Finch's whole complaint about the event that her organization puts on every year is that only the popular students go to the dance because they can get the dates, but the bashful students don't go. So the the whole point is to get to know you. We need the unpopular children. The students who already know each other are the only ones that go. It's like this dance is just a a social event, but it's the wrong, very specific, narrow kind of socializing. Yes. And Archie is eavesdropping, and he oh, yes. gets 
this idea for this great scheme. He's a constantly scheming guy. Yes. Like he never mentions, oh, I got sent here because I'm in trouble. That no. doesn't come up at all. No, he's like, I was just passing by and I got this plan and we should use this new bank computer machine to get people dates. Yeah, Archie's going to invent OK Cupid in order to guarantee 100% attendance. Yes. Uh, he also tries to give uh, Weatherby this whole speech about about marriage and finding the right one, and 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 Weatherby's just like, I'm not married. Like, shut up. Miss Grundy hears this from 75 feet away somehow, and her heart skips a beat. Yeah. Uh, so then we are at the what I like to call the Cupid sideshow. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, which is where Archie and Betty and Veronica in their cheerleader outfits are doing like a little sideshow act to like promote people buying cards for the machine to tell them who to date. Yeah, yeah, they they gotta hype this up. I got it's a, it's a multi step process and it involves advanced fundraising, I suppose. It also advanced. Involves shouting at the bashful ones. Yeah. And, like, pressuring them into, like, doing this. Hey, you, lonely fucker, over here. Come on. Why come are on. you running away? I don't understand. <laughs> they call one student the queen of the bashful ones. Poor girl named Mildred. Uh, but I think Riverdale needs to mine this whole scene. The, the whole episode, sure, but this scene in particular, next time they do throwback costumes for any sort of dream or fantasy sequence. Yeah. Because these cheer uniforms are perfect. Yeah. Oh, and then I guess there's who would be Dilton in the future. Yeah. So I'm like, well, I don't want to date, but I want to know about science and how the computer works. So I'm going to get a card so I can be there and see how science works. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Veronica comes clean to Archie that she never asked her dad about using the bank electronic computing machine. Mm-hmm. Um, that she fibbed and it was just a little fib, but she didn't want to ask him because she didn't think Archie would, you know, be with her and take her to the dance. So Archie sees that he's been out scammed. He's being extorted for a date. He cannot get this plan to go off unless. He goes with Veronica. So he has to tell Betty. And there's this wonderful tracking one shot mm-hmm. that, that keeps uh, Veronica in the foreground reacting to the things she's hearing behind her. As on uh, the, the left side of the screen, we see Archie tell Betty in like pantomime, hey, I've got something important to tell you. And they walk behind Veronica as then on the right side of the screen as the camera pans a bit. You can see that he does tell her, and she slaps him right in his gob. Yep. It's so good. And then she runs off, and he follows. And then Reggie comes up to Veronica and is all like, you know, I heard I heard them talking. And I heard him talking about how he was just dating you so he could use the computer. And then he was going to you know, break his date with you and go back to Betty. Mm-hmm. And look at them. Look at them. They're laughing at you. And at this point, the actual conversation yes. that, that we, the audience, are privileged to hear uh, is Betty just not taking things well. And as, as Archie's trying to justify his actions and, and try to make her feel better, she is not having it. And she laughs in his face with, with scorn. Yes. With scorn. Yeah, because he's all like, I'm going to put a, a ticket in the machine for you because I want you to have a date, too. 
Yeah, and she's not having this bullshit. She had a date until like two minutes ago, you jackass. So then Archie goes back, and then Veronica's like, hey, I want to talk to you. And then she slaps the shit out of him as well. Yeah, in around the slapping corner in yes. the same spot. It's very good. Also in this sequence, Veronica keeps calling people chappy. She calls at least three people, separate people, chappy. Yeah. Hey, Veronica, what's your favorite Neil Blomkamp movie? Is it is it Chappie? Chappie. Um, so Weatherby is talking to the PTA about the party, and Grundy's there and is all like, well, I don't have a partner, Mr. Weatherby, <laughs> but I'm willing to let bygones be bygones about what we've disagreed about. What is this backstory? I must know. And, uh... He's like, what? I was like, bygones be... Yeah, bye. Bye. Go ahead. See you later. This is very 60s, like, sitcom humor. Like... Yes. It fits that milieu, but it's charming. I liked this episode. I really did. Like, I didn't like all of it, but there are moments. Like, that's a good gag. Yeah. That is a good of-its-time gag. Yes. So then Archie and Jughead are together... And they're like, well, who needs a computer? We're gonna, like, make a computer mm-hmm. and stuff. And then Jughead suddenly has a fake German accent. They all have German accents. And then Archie's dad does. Yes. And then Archie His does. He's more Austrian because he's a psychiatrist. Yeah, yeah, but it's, like, evil Nazi German accents? Yes. All of a sudden, I guess because they're building a machine. We have ways of making you date. Yeah. 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 It's very awkward. It's Operation Dater Clip. So then uh, they do a test run and we find out that Jughead has to sit inside the computer and operates it and punches the cards and puts them through. The computer is just a bunch of of blinky lights and and whirring uh, wheels. And the real workings is Jughead matchmaking people. Noted... Romantic expert Jughead Jones, who's very invested in in all of the matters of the heart of these teenagers. That's the guy in charge of the love lives of Riverdale High. Yes. And uh, Mr. Andrews gets all on board with this because he's like, well, I guess the line's okay. You know, it's just a way to get them together, (laughs) the young people, and maybe they'll meet the right person down the block because mm-hmm. they just won't know better and we all want to get everyone together. I want to believe that his like doctoral thesis was some experiment where he just took people off the street, put them in a bucket and, and started a clock to see how long before they fuck. Yeah. Yeah. I, I want him to be like the Stanford prison experiment, but like sexy times, sexy times. Yeah. Yes. Something that would never pass an IRB today, but is still for some reason brought up. But but in that conversation between the parents, have maybe my favorite, wow, this is not part of our culture anymore moment. Mm-hmm. When uh, Mr. Andrews asks his wife if uh, they overspocked the boy. And she replies, no, we spocked him just right. Even mean Doctor Spock, noted child rearing expert. His his book was uh, all the rage. Yeah, I'm thinking like Spock. Too early for that one. Too early for Leonard Nimoy. 
I made me think like, is that some weird word for spanky? <laughs> Did we beat our child enough? No, we beat our child just enough. <laughs> Well, earlier they did use scooties as slang for dollars, so it's not unprecedented. Yeah. Scooties. So not spanking. Good to know. Uh, So at school, it's time for OkCupid to happen. Mm -hmm. And uh, Jughead's inside the computer, and we have people coming up, uh, finding out who's dating who. I would love it if we got an idea of the actual, like, survey they're taking. And if there are any questions on your opinion of uh, Reverend Martin Luther King Jr. And their survey's like a Scantron? Yeah, it's a punch card. It's very yeah. 60s computery. See, I don't see any words written on it, though, so I don't know, like... It looks like a lot of people accidentally failed to vote for Al Gore. It's what it looks like. I think some of them failed their Scantron because they punched too many holes within the same category. Yeah. Uh, But this is when Reggie finds out that the computer is not Veronica's dad's business thing. Mm -hmm. And he's like, well, this is suspicious. The most suspicious thing is that Buffy, the girl Jughead was trying to ask out earlier, Got paired with Jughead, um, amazingly. Who'd have thunk it? <laughs> Science can't be wrong. And there are two, two total Dorcases in this classroom that uh, are all about the, the science. Yeah. Like the, the science guy from earlier is just like, oh, well, I can't wait to evaluate these results with science. And then there's another guy's like, hey, lady, we just got paired up. You want to talk about geophysics? And she's like, nah. But whatever you say. I think she's hoping it's the physics of her body. My name's not Geo. That's, no, it, it's Jill-o-physics. We're gonna have physicals? Physical. <laughs> Get physical. Yeah, does that mean you're gonna play doctor? Yep. They're Fuck. gonna go to look out point. <laughs> Roger, you fucking nerd. And look at their points. Mm-hmm. Yep. Oh, yeah, because they it's 60s. They got those they really cone-shaped bra, yeah. <laughs> You poke an eye out with those things. <laughs> uh, so it all it all ends and everyone's very happy and they all go off. And then Jughead's like, let me out of here. But Weatherby walks in because Reggie was like, hey, Archie's up to something. And But Re- Weatherby doesn't let Reggie in. And Weatherby's all like, hey, I've never seen a computer. I want to look inside. And it, it's all very like, oh, now you've seen it. Let's go. And and trying to do that uh, do-si-do. But then like, you know, Jughead sneezes and bumps some stuff and it's like, oh, his computer's almost human. He's screaming for air. They, <laughs> they forgot that even real computers need ventilation. But the thing is, is it's apparently a cardboard box. <laughs> and I think there's enough airflow through that. <laughs> the corrugation, if nothing else. It's not taped closed. He's fine. <laughs> Just breathe through the, the little crack, Jughead. Yeah, they, they forgot to poke some holes in the lid and put a stick and a leaf in there for him. Uh, and so Weatherby's all like, someone's inside. And Archie's like, oh, it must be a worker from the factory who got trapped in there. We need to get help. No. So then they open it. Jughead's in there. And I guess he's been in there since yesterday. <laughs> Because he's frozen stiff and he can't move. His his joints are all very stiff. Like they're the camera focuses on him as he does his his physical comedy bit, 
of like slowly going from tin man to human. Yeah. While the conversation is happening above the frame. Yes. And so Archie's trying to get Weatherby to not tell anyone about it because he's like, everyone's happy. Everyone's paired up. And and look at all them all. They all got dates and stuff. And, you know, we just got to keep it a secret. As Franklin said, three can keep a secret if two are dead. You know, I've never quoted one of the founding fathers to threaten the life of a high school principal. Yeah, I'm like, so are you going to kill your best friend and your principal? No, he's going to kill Jughead and himself. <laughs> and then Weatherby will have to keep the secret out of guilt. Mm-hmm. It's the most powerful emotional blackmail. No, he's going to kill himself and Weatherby because Jughead needs that date. The only fair way to do it is draw straws, I think. Yeah. <laughs> Who knows? Who knows? But really, there's four of them because his dad knows. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So like... Oh, this is just like Russian roulette here. Who knows? Yeah. Reggie has a strong, strong suspicion. I think that counts. Yeah. Everyone's going to die. And around this time, I was just thinking, what if, why is Jughead not pairing up any gay couples? It is kind of surprising there wasn't some like joke about that because I feel like that's- Like he accidentally misshuffled the the cards- And then they're all like... And there's a really oh, 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 gross okay. joke. Yeah. Or, no, it wouldn't even be a gross joke. It would be a joke about how that's not even a possibility. Or it'd be something where the t- like the two dudes come together and all like, oh, okay. And then they like use fake voices and... Yeah, then it would be kind of a gross yeah. joke. Yeah, yeah that's mm-hmm. what it would be. But if, if we're doing a digest to digest, that's what would happen. That would be how uh, they goad Moose into coming out, or at least being public, as he works through his identity issues. Yeah. Yeah. Or like, fangs, make out with his dude. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Your, your physical therapist says it's okay to make out. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you, you need the blood flow. He's not a vampire. <laughs> it's physical therapy. Makes not that blood. physical. Oh, gosh. So, uh, Weatherby's getting his hearing voices again, mm-hmm. um, that's reminding him that, you know, there's things you can learn from Archie, which is never to listen to him. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. basically. The voices in Principal Weatherby's head are very reasonable. Yeah. Like, most people, you think, you might want to talk to somebody about that, but it's really his best self. Yeah. So, in the office... Uh, Archie's all like, Mr. Weatherby, look out this window. Look at all these poor losers who have never had dates. And this is and another now- really well-composed shot with him looking out the window down in the corner with the, like, the, the statue of, I don't know, whatever racist motherfucker founded Riverdale and this continuity yeah. out there. Yeah. They, they do use, actually, a lot of very more complicated shots that are kind of rare for TV in yeah, this time for th- period. I think this might have been single camera, or at least their their camera operator is really swinging for the fences on it. Yeah. But yeah, look at all of them. They, they didn't have anyone, and now they think they're meant for each other because they're dumb idiots. But, I don't know, it's all because of a fake machine. But what is fake, anyway, in the world of love? Is, is perfume fake? Is a corsage fake? The moon. Surely that's not fake. And there are some people in this day and age that might disagree with you, Archie. (laughs) It's amazing how far we've not come (laughs) in 
70 years? 80 years? 56! 56 years? <laughs> what year was this again? 60? 1964! I was thinking like so 44? 64, 64. I was thinking 54. of the other pilot. I couldn't remember what decade we are talking about right now. <laughs> it's late! I've been up since like 5.30. Okay, okay. So... The dance is happening. Yeah, Archie's be being caves. a total fucking creeper and like hiding in his bushes as people go by. He's got to and- see that if his plan works. Like Archie, wasn't this to have something else to talk about other than I talked in class when I wasn't supposed to? It has spiraled beyond control. Yeah, I'm like, and they're all his friends. I don't know why <laughs> he's hiding. Because first he sees Jughead. And and his date Buffy coming, and she's all like, I never would have thought about us being together, but this is just great. Science doesn't lie. Science can't be wrong. We are all slaves to friend computer. And then he sees Veronica and Betty coming with their dates, and they're all like, fuck that Archie Andrews. And then he sees some person named Miss Penny. Mm-hmm. Who Weatherby meets and is all That's real. That's the secretary. Is it? Yes. Okay. Well, he's all excited to get some action with her. With her. But then he gets uh, his elbows claimed by uh, our PTA busybody and Miss Grundy. Yep. The B is drowning in the V. Yep. Uh, so then there's a girl hiding in the bushes behind Archie, <laughs> and eventually he sees this. And it's Mildred, the queen of the bashfuls. And he's all like, well... You didn't have a card come out. And she's like, I was too bashful to go. I've never heard the word bashful used so many times. Or chappy, to be honest. There's that. Uh, And so she runs off, because that's what apparently bashful people do, is they run away. Mm -hmm. And he runs after. And he looks at her card and is all like, oh, look. That's why I didn't get someone either, is our cards match up. But here, I'm going to hide these before you can look at them to see that they actually don't match up. And let's go into the dance together. And she's all like, no. He's like, well, you don't want me to have a bad time now, do you? And I'm like, Archie, it's not about you. (laughs) I know you're trying to, like, be nice, but it's not about you. (laughs) And she's all like, well, if you put it that way. And I'm like, it's not about him. And she goes with him. She does. She does. I hope they have a nice time, but I'm not happy about this. It's the one time he's using his inability to tell the truth for good. Yeah. All the stuff with Archie and Betty and Veronica and girls and this, like, manipulation they all have of each other is just so icky. The farther back in time you go on, like, TV and movies and stuff, it just gets creepier and creepier. Mm Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like, there's a lot to be said about how, you know, dark and and, uh, cruel things can be on Riverdale. Mm Mm-hmm. But there's usually only one person lying to anyone in any given episode. Yeah. And it's usually an adult. The, the kids are all very... They withhold, but they don't mislead. Yeah. All of these kids are fucking liars. Yeah. <laughs> Every last one of them. Unless I'm like, no. I don't... No one's a nice person here. No. They're all pretty terrible. Because they're all lying about everything. Yeah, yeah. 
And then they're so quick to like, well, Archie's just a turd. Like, (laughs) you know, and I'm just like, well, like three seconds ago, you wanted to jump his bones. Like, Mm -hmm, come on. mm It's so, it's so extreme when it's in 35 minutes or whatever it was. Yeah, yeah. This, this is an extended length pilot. It probably would have been, I mean, whatever they were with commercial breaks back then. So 25 rather than 22. Yeah. Here's a question. Uh-huh. If this had been picked up, what do you think that would have meant for, you know, the future of Archie and as, as a property, as a, as a franchise? Because I, th- I think the effect of the 70s cartoon was very clear. The uh, flattening, the, the kidify of the comics comes right from people like, oh, I love that on Saturday, that, that filmation bullshit that sucks. Yes. And there's an expectation that the, the books are going to be like that. And that, that really left an indelible mark on the franchise from then on. But if this had maybe been that instead... I think the big thing would be... Even if it got picked up, how long it lasted. That's true. That is very important. If it lasted a season, nothing. Yeah. If it lasted six years, Mm -hmm. completely different story. Yeah, yeah. Um, And it's hard to say what, but I think think that would be a big deciding factor in it. And it's also the question of, is it how popular it would have gotten? Would it have been been a show that was like, you know, having lunchboxes and all that? Or is it just a show that someone's parent kind of remembers we are talking about the time of three channels so anything that got any air date is more popular than the most popular show today technically yes but it's the fact of more pairs of eyes on it is it a show that would carry is it a show Mm -hmm. that would have been syndicated over the years that you would have watched on nick at night etc oh no this if this was at any kind of success it would be on nick at night yeah absolutely so I guess like the weirdest thing mm-hmm. with the show though is why does Weatherby get a voiceover a thing to talk to? What is that? Do you think it's because there's no one else for him to talk to? Because like anytime he's with Miss Grundy, those scenes are all about their like burning sexual smolder. Mm-hmm. I mean, I guess, but what what my deep desire is here. Mm-hmm. Is that we would then find out he's being possessed by, like, the devil or something. Oh, no, I thought he was one of those twins that, like, twins in the womb, but one of them got absorbed by the other. He's being haunted by his never-was twin. Yeah. Yeah. Or it's, like, a parallel thing, and he's, like, it's actually the voice on the other side of the mirror. (laughs) Yeah. And the mirror wants to eat the children so he's yeah. trying to get them like send me the bad children let's start with archie the other weatherby has a goatee and wears a sash with no sleeves yeah yeah <laughs> definitely for sure for sure things we're missing out on because it didn't get picked up maybe the show was under maybe again i automatically think <laughs> beating a child <laughs> so that's our recap but we've got more for you something that i know People have been very excited to hear All the Snakes of the Forest, Chapter 3. Uh, continuing our uh, fanfic reading series from our uh, uh, segment bonus episode and our finale recap is now Chapter 3. I guess to, to recap, uh, Polly and Cheryl and uh, the soon-to-be babies have been living at the White Worm for a while. 
uh, and reforming it under the power of Polly's uh, uh, curses. And our final cliffhanger was revealing a uh, uh, long-held and never uh, acted on, uh, repressed, you might say, homosexual crush between F.P. and Fred Andrews. Chapter 3. Clifford did it, Jughead said, the next time he and Betty came over. F.P. looked unhappy. Hey, you didn't need to sleuth this out, you know, he said. I could have put guys on it. Oh, that's a great idea, said Jughead. Jason's old crack dealer is investigating Jason's murder. That's not a conflict of interest or anything. You should be focusing on school. Boy. It should say boy. Why doesn't it say boy? (laughs) FP insisted. The important thing, Betty said, holding up a hand, is that after Clifford attacked Polly, Jughead and I decided to investigate him using legal means. And it turns (laughs) out that what is... And it turns, she has never investigated anything using legal means. No. And it turns out that Clifford has connections into a Greendale gang. Legal means means she used a key. <laughs> it means she didn't get caught. Yeah. That's all it means. The Golems, FP said. No, the Gremlins? It's the Gremlin- Gremlins, isn't it? <laughs> the Gremlins. It's the Greendale Grippers, said Jughead impatiently, and apparently Clifford hired them to hold Jason captive and rough him up a little because Jason had some family heirloom he wanted. Polly looked at Cheryl. Cheryl looked at Polly. That fool, Cheryl whispered. The amulet chooses the blossom. And it must have left father for Jason and made father spiral into rage, fueled insanity. And then something went wrong and they killed him by accident, Jughead finished. Wait, what amulet? Nothing, Polly said hurriedly. Because the existence of an evil occult Blossom family heirloom would only upset Betty. (laughs) How did you two find out about all of this? Now Jughead and Betty looked cagey. Research, said Jughead. And we may have questioned a Greendale gripper, said Betty. There was a black wig involved. Don't ask. Oh, I know about the wig, Cheryl said. Everyone knows about the wig. (laughs) I tweeted about the wig. God, you two. I should tweet about you right now. Hashtag Sid and Nancy. Oh, no, that's a a very Riverdale line. That is good. (laughs) That is on point. Hey, said Polly, Betty, Jughead, NFP. In unison? I guess. Please, Cheryl said, rolling her eyes. Sid Vicious and Nancy Drew. Everyone calm down. Yeah, sure, that's what you meant. Hey, FP said, smiling. He ruffled Jughead's hair. You are Nancy Drew, aren't you, Jug? (laughs) Tag! Tag. But knowing for certain that Clifford was the killer didn't exactly fix all of Polly's problems. She still had a mother who had thrown her away, a father who had tried to take control of her very body, Clifford's sworn enmity, and an accomplice who is now listed as missing in the newspapers. Specifically listed as, Another Blossom murdered. Probably. Not that we'll miss them. Because Polly's mother was on the outs with the Blossoms again. And then, on top of all this, there was the whirlwind business of just preparing for the baby. The serpent stole prenatal supplements for her and blackmailed the <laughs> they are best expensive. And blackmailed the best OB gyne in town to make sure that B- Polly got in enough ultrasounds and prenatal screenings. 
one of Mustang's ex-girlfriends was fortuitously a doula. Oh! And a former gang member that had gone straight and actually become a Lamaze certified childbirth educator. So they both agreed to give Polly and the serpents weekly coaching on the trials of labor and childbirth. Why do the rest of the serpents need this coaching? We, uh, we really want to be here for this baby. <laughs> it means a lot to us. We're all gonna watch. Real close. Not you. You're not allowed. Get out of here. <laughs> Don't make it weird. They all have that voice. Yeah. There was even a second baby shower to plan since the serpents had missed the first one. Oh. Joaquin carved her a cradle ah! using wood carving skills he'd acquired at the Brothers of Righteous Punishment. <laughs> FP poured out some of his alcohol in Jason's honor. Mustang wheeled in an enormous cake that he and Cheryl had made together. <laughs> Cheryl said, oh, now i got to remember everyone's voices. It's been forever. I, know, I don't remember their voices. Cheryl said, Mother wanted to make you one of these, but never got the chance to. Of course, she would have filled hers with boring blue candy to show you what the Blossoms traditionally expect in an heir. But Mustang and I took a different tack. Is it fireworks? Jingle jangle. Cheryl had been formally inducted into the Serpents a week previous... Oh, man. This, oh, this is predicted the future. <laughs> so she was now allowed to carry the ceremonial serpent switchblade. Oh, yeah. They share one? No wonder they lost the fight. Are they going to use it to cut the cake? She pulled this out of her handbag now and handed it to Polly. Polly, shrugging, used it to cut the cake. Rose pastilles and gummy worms poured out. <laughs> I'm having a girl and some worms, Polly said. These rose pastilles don't stand for a girl, but for the blood of the blossoms, Cheryl explained. And those are serpents, put in Mustang. Only if they want to be, said FP dangerously. Only if they want to be, said FP dangerously. Of course, said Mustang. We can't impose a professional destiny on these children any more than we can attempt to dictate their gender to them. You started off as Grunkle Stan, and then you became the moth. I'll have you know that Grunkle Stan is incredibly woke. Yeah. Aww, said Polly, genuinely touched. Cheryl beamed at her. Who cares what the gender is, she said. We need not quibble over that when the babies will clearly require us to both fear and adore them as JJs. Polly felt tears pricking at her eyes. She blinked them away. Thank you, she told Cheryl and the serpents, for for welcoming my children and for caring for them and agreeing to help me frame a man and destroy his life in payback for the murder of my true love. Anytime, F.P. said, toasting her with his flask. Tag, tag, tag. Surprisingly, though, not everyone was in favor of framing Clifford. <laughs> If you know he did the crime, then you don't have to frame him for it, Kevin insisted. Seriously, come on, guys. Anybody agree? Betty, Cheryl, Jughead, Joaquin, and Veronica, all sitting on the pastel pink carpet around Polly's bed, all avoiding his gaze. Polly did not. Your father has always been in Clifford Blossom's pocket, she said. I could have trusted him to arrest the killer if it was anybody but Clifford or trusted him to find somebody from the wrong side of the tracks to blame, Jughead muttered. 
Joaquin gave a low whistle of agreement. <laughs> yes. But now that we know Clifford did it, we'll have to make his takedown so, incon so incontrovertible and so public that even your father will have to arrest him. And so that any jury will convict, Betty put in. I mean, no offense, Cheryl, but I'm pretty sure that even if he gets caught, your father will just buy off the jury. None taken, Cheryl said. For my part, I want my forebear to hang from Tyburn Gallows, his rotten, his rotten, rot, rotting, his rotting, wind-blown corpse, a testament to the evil he unleashed upon my brother. People don't do public hangings anymore, Cheryl, said Veronica. But for the record, I'm sorry this happened to you. Cheryl grabbed Veronica's hand and then, after a single loud sob, buried her face in Veronica's breast. <laughs> Veronica patted her hair. Polly mentally made a note to add another pair of star-crossed lovebirds to her list of Romeo and Juliet teens and or bikers that she had personally sworn to protect. If only my father were just an immoral, greed-driven swindler like yours, Veronica, Cheryl sobbed now. Well, I'm sure he's that too, Jughead said, and got a dirty look from Veronica for his troubles. Okay, but back to the matter at hand. We don't need to frame anybody, said Kevin. How would we even manage it? There was a terrifying moan, and the door creaked open. <clears throat> Most of the people in the room jumped. But Polly didn't, because she spent enough time at Thornhill to know who had who entered rooms like that. Oh, hi, Nana, said Cheryl, lifting her head from Veronica's bosom. Child, Nana said, holding a withered hand out to Polly. Polly got up and wheeled her into the room properly. How did she get up the stairs, Kevin demanded. <laughs> <laughs> Nana didn't... <laughs> Nana didn't answer. Instead, she looked at the various teenagers ringed around her wheelchair. Joaquin crossed himself. Children, she said, listen to Nana and listen well. When Hepzibah Blossom lived among the snakes of the forest, her old tormentors, Miles Standish and John Smith, came hunting for her. <laughs> <laughs> That sounds not historically right, Betty said. Shh, said Cheryl. Do you know what Hepzibah did then, child, said Nana, focusing now on Polly. Curse them, said Polly. But the, the cursing thing, it doesn't work on blossoms. Cursing thing, Jughead said. What need had she of curses when she had the very snakes of the forest, Nana said, waving Polly's answer away like it was a bothersome moth. Oh, I think I see your point, Polly said. What, what is her point, Kevin said, looking worried. Worried. I have a gang now, Polly said. I can pretty much do whatever I want. I don't need occult magic. <laughs> do whatever you- Wait? Why would you need a cult? Oh, this is not Nana. <laughs> Do whatever you wait. Why would you need a cult magic? Betty said. Why wouldn't you? Cheryl and Nana said in tandem. Betty stared at the Blossom women. Nana has Peruvian blood. Cheryl said, apropos of nothing. Tag. Tag. 
Clifford, it turned out, had recently purchased a large parcel of land on the wrong side of the tracks. Specifically, he had purchased the parcel of land right next to the wrong side of the tracks. There was Wright Street, then the tracks, then Wrong Street, (laughs) then Clifford's land. Wright Street and Wrong Street, Veronica said. Okay, sorry, I hate this town. We should all move to New York. I'll never leave my place of birth, Cheryl declared. There's maple in my veins, <laughs> Veronica Lodge. Cheryl, there's shopping in New York. I'll go with you. We'll share an apartment and have brunch together and make fun of the passerby like all the time. Okay, you make a convincing argument, Cheryl said. FP banged his flask on the pool table. Order, Junior Serpent, he told Cheryl. This is a frame job planning meeting. It was. The attendees were Polly, Cheryl, all the serpents, Veronica, Betty, Veronica Lake, Jughead, Kevin, who protested that he really shouldn't be here but had still shown up, Nana Blossom, Hermione Lodge, Fred Andrews, and oddly enough, Archie Andrews. Why did nobody tell me that Cheryl and Polly are in a gang now? Archie demanded. Girl, we had no idea you'd even care, said Veronica. You're like... The weirdest combination of loyal and fickle that I have ever met. What does that mean? Archie (laughs) said. It means we never know who you care about from week to week, Veronica said. Sometimes you're all about Jughead, then it's Val, then it's your dad. For a while it was Grundy. It seems like you can only focus on one person at a time, ignoring the needs and feelings everyone else around you if they're not the one person. Ronnie, be nice, her mother murmured. Veronica shrugged. Order, FP said again. Fred's kid, you were invited because this concerns your dad and his company, and Fred said you made a big stink about that and would want to be included. Polly, the floor is yours, and nobody else is going to interrupt you unless they want to be bitten by Veronica Lake. I guess, editor's note, Veronica Lake is their pet snake. Yes. We skipped that in the recap. Yeah, I forgot about, I actually was trying to remember, I was like, wait, who's Veronica Lake? Snake. 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 Polly didn't think Veronica Lake was the kind of snake that bit, but the threat was apparently severe enough to make everyone else go silent. Polly took the floor. They also wear Veronica Lake as a as a accessory sometimes. Yes, yeah, it's like yeah. it's like a boa mm-hmm. scarf. She's been used as a belt. Bangles. Here's the problem with Clifford's parcel of land, she said. It's the land that lies directly between the drive-in land and the good side of town. Now that Clifford knows Fred is going to go ahead and build using his serpent crew, We're your serpent crew, Polly, Joaquin whispered. Mustang, hear, hear to this, so FP cuffed them both for interrupting. Clifford is going to publicly announce tomorrow morning that his land will become the Riverdale Fence Museum. Jughead raised his hand? (sighs) FP, rather than cuffing him, looked pleased at his manners. He nodded to Polly. Polly nodded to Jughead. Sorry, what's a fence museum? Jughead said. Good question, Polly said. It's a row of very tall fences, built very close together, that will effectively block all access to the drive-in land and make building anything on the drive-in land completely superfluous. Would a building not be involved in a fence (laughs) museum? I'm very confused by this museum concept. Why is a... Why can't you The drive-in is on a street. You can go down on that street. 
Perhaps they'll cover that in a later portion. Yeah, yeah, let's let's wait and see. Let's wait and see. Wow, Jughead said. It's almost like people should have, I don't know, just left a drive-in right there. Nobody disagreed with him. The important thing is that we frame Clifford and stop the fence museum, Hermione said now, so that Clifford goes to jail for killing his son. Cheryl and Polly can go home, the serpents and I keep our jobs, and Fred can continue construction on Sodale, right? Right, Polly said. So here's the plan. At tomorrow's opening ceremony, the serpents arrive early, tie up Clifford's crew without killing them. What do you th- Wait, you think we kill people? F.P. said. We don't. Right, guys? The serpents all nodded, uh-huh. unconvincingly, yeah, yeah, yeah. and then take their places. When Clifford gets up to speak, the serpents begin a protest for the horrible working conditions Clifford subjects them to. He treats us like migrant day laborers, Mustang called out. We're treated very badly and deserve better, said Joaquin. <laughs> I wrote a paper on that once, Betty said thoughtfully. We know, F.P. said. Polly made us all read it. (laughs) Speaking of, let's let Polly finish. Thank you, said Polly. Anyway, the clamor will make Clifford freak out and call his bodyguards away from his car to make the serpents fall in line. Once the bodyguards are gone, Cheryl and I will sneak into his car and plant Jason's jacket, then crawl into the trunk. Betty raised her hand. Polly nodded at her. How are you going to get into the trunk? Okay. I know how to pick the lock on pretty much any luxury vehicle, Veronica said. Former rich girl here. Wouldn't you just buy the luxury vehicle? Yeah. You'd buy a new key. Right, said Polly. Veronica will pick the locks on the car for us. And then, once we've climbed in, we'll scream that she can hear people in there. She'll run and get Mr. Andrews and Hermione, who, being good Samaritans, will crowbar us out of the car. That's when you, Betty, and you, Jughead, arrive with cameras to capture our release as part of an expose for the school newspaper. Archie, in the meantime, you and Nana will get Sheriff Keller away from the fake labor strike and bring him to the car, where Nana will reveal that Clifford didn't have an alibi for the night of Jason's death. And Kevin, you will do nothing, because you are on the side of law and order, and we respect that. Mustang booed this. Boo! But Kevin looked relieved. (gasps) Tag! The day of the frame job dawned crisp and beautiful, and nearly everything went off perfectly. The serpents arrived early and tied up Clifford's, Clifford's workers, and Polly... Mind whammied them with the amulet to make them stay quiet and forget that they'd been tied up or who had done it. Well, this was happening. I really thought this was tied up, like, got them chatting about their day and sent them on errands. No, like, literally tied up. Okay, gotcha, gotcha. Uh, While this was happening, all of Riverdale was gathering on Wrong Street to hear (laughs) Clifford's speech. It wasn't strange to have accomplices... Betty, Veronica, Jughead, Hermione, Archie, Nana, and Fred also show up. Even if Archie arrived with Nana and Fred arrived with a crowbar. 
But Polly was sure no one would notice that in all the excitement. The Pussycats were performing, and then Mayor McCoy was speaking, and every major news outlet was crowded into the front. And even the Cooper's paper, which would be expected to oppose the development of another blossom properly on principle. Property on principle. What is Riverdale known for? Mayor McCoy asked the crowd as Cheryl and Polly snuck to the back where Clifford's car was. Yes, Maple. Yes, disappearing teens and a horrifying recent murder. But there's one thing that can make us forget all that last stuff, and I think we all know what it is. Fences. Good fences make good neighbors. That's all I'm saying. Hi, excuse me, Polly heard her mother call out. What? You heard me, Alice, said Mayor McCoy. What's more beautiful than fences? Maybe we should put a fence on the town flag. I love that Denzel Washington movie, Fences. They're a metaphor for divisiveness, Sierra, said Polly's mother. You can't honestly expect this town to replace the blood-soaked maple leaf of the Battle of Riverdale with that. (laughs) Riverdale's in Canada. It all makes sense. Blood-soaked maple leaf of the Battle of Riverdale. (laughs) Someone... Make some fan art of that shit. They already did. It's the Canadian flag. I want, like, blood dripping down. Blood and maple syrup are, like, different consistencies, so, like, they need to be, like... Yeah, it's one of those uh, shots where it's, like, little floaty layers. Yeah. 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 Uh, ooh, ooh, ooh. Okay, so you got your maple syrup, like, bottle, but you're squeezing the maple leaf blood into it. I love you, dear. I love you. Okay. Don't be ridiculous. You can't, you can put gates in fences, said Mayor McCoy. And who doesn't love gates? <laughs> I'm Wait, where did gate. gates come up here? Because they're, they're not divisive if there's gates in them. Oh, we all love like gates. doors. Okay, because yeah. you can enter the, okay. The whole point of putting all these fences up is that no one can get to the property. So you can't put gates in it. Well, you have to put gates, but they're gates that are too small for the construction equipment. Because as we all know, the only way to get construction equipment through some place is driving through the neighboring lot and not using the road! <laughs> the road! Just airlifted in. Polly was sure her mother would snap something back at the mayor because Alice loved nothing if not haranguing public figures. But at this point, they were too far away to make it out. And also the crowd was swelling to truly epic proportions. I think all 1,000 residents might be here. Yes! Yes! (laughs) That means the whole town will see your father exposed, Polly said. Cheryl looked as pleased as a cat that had had the chance to murder a particularly innocent bird. I'm going to give a dramatic scream when they free us from the car, she declared. That's good, Polly said. You're very good at dramatic screams. Aww... Behind them, there was a murmur among the crowd as the mayor finished her speech. Soon Clifford would be getting up to speak. Polly and Cheryl reached the back of the crowd, expecting to see only two or three of Clifford's bodyguards waiting there with the car. There were two or three bodyguards, and there was also Clifford. Polly and Cheryl looked at each other uneasily. uneasily. My fellow Riverdalians, Clifford's voice boomed over, out over the amplifying system. What, besides Maple, most exemplifies our town? 
That's right, the white picket fence. So what if we had 453 white picket fences, all laid out in a row, all 99 feet tall? (laughs) I don't understand, Polly hissed. How is he talking up on the podium and yet waiting back in the car at the same time? Cheryl didn't answer. She was too busy hyperventilating and saying, Oh no! Oh no! Oh no! Oh no! Oh no! Polly looked out over the trailing edge of the crowd and saw Betty and Jughead standing about 20 feet away, looking as spooked as she felt. She realized that if this plan was about to go awry, she didn't want Betty in the middle of it. Go, Polly mouthed. I'm calling it off. Of course, at the point Clifford was interrupted by the angry jeering of the serpents posing as his workers. As if on cue, the bodyguard standing by the car sprinted away to try and control the labor riot before it turned into a melee and ruined the opening ceremony. Car Clifford stayed right where he was, though. Go, Polly mouthed again. She made shooing motions with her hand to get the point across. Betty shook her head resolutely, without warning. She and Jughead made for the car, and Polly watched in panic as Betty knocked on the window and smiling said something to Clifford. Clifford said something back, nodding, and then got out and walked off with them. No, 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 Cheryl was still saying. Girl, said someone behind them. It was Veronica in a stylish burgundy trench coat and a matching burgundy hat, arriving right on time. She shouldn't be calling people chappy, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Come on, let's do this. But Clifford... I did not dress up like Carmen San Diego to not frame Cheryl's dad and remove his evil murdering influence from her life, Veronica said, even though this is honestly the most Riverdale thing I've ever done, and even I'm ashamed of myself. <laughs> Through her gasping panic, Cheryl looked touched. Come on, continued Veronica, let's drop Jason's jacket and get this over with. Are we thinking the author also predicted Claudius? Yes. Yeah? Yes. Okay. Tag! Tag! It was easy to bundle up the jacket and stuff it under the driver's seat, and easy to climb into the trunk. It was less easy to get Cheryl in, as she was still freaking out. Okay, I'm not... Okay, I'm not forcing her, Veronica said. Maybe we can just do it with you, Polly. No, Cheryl said, rallying in the last minute. No, now Polly needs me more than ever. Only when they were both locked in the darkness of the trunk did Cheryl calm down enough to explain why. That's not my father, she said. Or maybe it is, but if it is, then the one at the podium is... Clifton. (laughs) Clifton? Father's evil twin! (laughs) Well, (laughs) evil-er. You didn't think to mention that your father has an evil twin? Polly asked, dismayed. Of course not. We all thought he was dead. And he was sent to the boys' reformatory at age 13 for chopping down Nana's favorite maple tree. Then there was a fire four years later, and we assumed he died. Polly wasn't thrilled that there were two Cliffords, but as a former reformatory inmate herself, she felt for him. That seems unfair to Clifton, she said, just for chopping down a tree. He chopped it down so it would crush Nana's legs as she (laughs) napped under it, Cheryl said, like this should be obvious. That's why she's in a wheelchair. Oh, Polly said. Well, maybe it won't be a problem. 
it was. Someone eventually did pry open the trunk to let them out, but it wasn't Fred or Hermione. It was F.P., and Clifton Blossom was holding a gun to his head. (gasps) And that is chapter three of All the Snakes of the Forest. Yeah. That's some good shit. Next time we come back to this story, we will get the incredible conclusion. I'm excited. I'm excited. Uh, Thanks for joining us on the the first of our off-season bonus episodes. We now know that the show is back on October the 10th. That is a Ooh. Wednesday. That is, And it is in its same time slot. That's uh, 8 p.m. Eastern on Wednesdays. Yeah. It's very exciting. Uh, I'd like to congratulate Madeline Petch on, yes, winning an MTV Movie Award. Yeah. I'd like to encourage everyone to vote uh, for the Teen Choice Awards, that is, if you are teens, because I, I, I believe in democracy and honesty. I mean, I was told I looked like a teenager today. Okay, you get to look like you're voting. Yeah. Yeah. But most of all, I really, really want to encourage people to go to Kickstarter right now and look up Final Bid. What's that? Well, if you follow us on uh, social media, then you know all about it. You yeah, know, you know that it is a, uh, a tabletop role-playing system. It is is a game engine that uh, lets you make essentially movies with your friends with a really unique, really compelling uh, auction-based mechanic. I, uh, if you want to hear me go off on it, there are places where you can. I'd love to direct you to them. But the, the reason I think listeners to this show be really interested is because I am writing for it. I'm writing a playset that is the teen drama uh, playset. So the main designers covering, you know, the the western and the spy thriller and the sci-fi horror. But I'm doing the the Riverdale pastiche, basically. Yeah. <laughs> I, there's a lot of things besides Riverdale going in my bucket of influences, but. As a listener to the show, you know that that my central thesis is that this show is a synthesis of all that came before it. Yeah. So uh, even those things that aren't Riverdale kind of are Riverdale in a way. Yeah. In a way. (laughs) Uh, So I'm I'm really excited to to be making something. And I, I just want people to play it. And I want people to give it a try. If you don't think that... This sort of game is for you. You would probably surprise yourself. It's a whole lot of fun. It is my favorite. It, it's my favorite game. I love this game so much. Yeah. Uh, if you're listening to this in the month of June, you still have time to back it on Kickstarter. That's a little over a week by the time you're hearing this. Uh, but yeah. It, it's Plenty all, of time. All it takes is a second. Uh, links in the show notes. We're going to be plugging it even more on the Twitter, which is a place you can connect to us. Yeah. 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 You can follow us there. Mm-hmm. At sex underscore Archie. That's where it is. Yeah. can interact with us there. Mm-hmm. You can also help other people interact with us by leaving a rating or review on uh, your podcast listening place of choice. Phil up those stars on Apple Podcasts. The sky is empty for all the stars are on our iTunes page. Thank you. Yeah, you can also tell a friend. Please tell those friends. Word of mouth. And, uh, you know, it really helps. Mm-hmm. A lot of people are probably finding Riverdale for the first time, catched up on season two. Yeah, yeah. Now that it's on Netflix and has been for about four weeks now. It's, it's a great time to bring people 
I've been tweeting the show at people as I see them talk about Riverdale. Like, oh, you're catching up on Netflix? I got a thing. Got a thing for you. Here's a great companion and or substitute for Riverdale. Yeah. And I'd like to thank everybody again for for listening, for doing those things that we ask you to do, and for checking out Final Bid. It's so much fun, you guys. The game is so good. I love it. And it's really important to me that it's successful. (laughs) I'm very personally invested. I care a great deal. I'm very anxious about it crossing that funding goal. She really is. Please help. Because if it doesn't, then I don't get to fill my dreams of helping people have fun. At least not in this case. Yeah. Yeah. Not, not along this vector. And we'll be back at you in four weeks or so with another bonus episode. So I guess that's it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm Elena. I'm Grant. And from us here at Sex Archie. I have a gang now. Sugar. Ah, oh, honey, honey. You are my candy girl. And you got me rocking you. Break it down, hold it, please. Sugar. Ah, oh, honey, honey. You are my candy girl. And you got me rocking you. Break it down, come on. And you got me. And you got me. And you got me.